Welcome to Is It Worth It, the self-worth podcast where we explore how different areas of our life affect our self-worth and how to build and maintain our sense of self-worth. My name is Roshni and I am a self-worth life coach. I help my clients discover their worth so they can stop holding back and start taking control of their lives full force. You can find my other free content under the name Beti Grew Up, that's B-E-T-I Grew Up, on Instagram and YouTube, and you can sign up for my free newsletter at BetiGrewUp.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, so welcome to another episode. This is going to be a guest interview episode with one of my friends, Ava, and I am so, so excited to be able to share her with you. She is a fellow South Asian woman and she is a health and wellness coach for professional working moms. She combines wisdom from her personal journey and the scientifically proven precision nutrition methodology to guide women to embrace a healthier lifestyle. Abba is also a pediatrician and the host of the Health Has No Finish Line podcast, which dives into subjects such as body image, emotional eating, mindset, healthier living, and so much more. She lives in the Los Angeles area with her husband and her school-age daughter, and I am so, so excited to dive into these topics of self-worth, health, nutrition, body image with Abba, and this is something that is definitely a sensitive topic. We don't necessarily talk about EDs or anything like that. However, if you are just sensitive to topics about body image or weight in general, I totally understand if you want to skip this episode, but otherwise, I am so, so excited for you to get a peek into our conversation and just to learn more from the infinite wisdom that Abba has. She really expands the mainstream health industry into something bigger by asking us, you know, how it makes us feel and by putting forth completely different ideas of what health can look like and how we can perceive health. So I'm super excited to dive into this conversation and I hope that you enjoy it. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode. So as you just heard, I have Abba from Health Has No Finish Line on my podcast today and I'm so, so excited. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Roshni. I'm really excited for our conversation. Yeah, me too. So could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yes, definitely. So um, I am, gosh, there's there's uh, so many things to share. So I reside in Southern California. I'm a professional working woman. I'm a pediatrician and a health and wellness coach. I'm a mom to a six-year-old girl, a wife, um, I own my own company, Health Has No Finish Line, and um, soon towards, it'll likely be um, in the fall or winter, I'll also be adding or donning the hat of author. Um, so that's exciting. That is so awesome. Well, congratulations. I actually Thank didn't you. know so that's so exciting to hear. Um, and yeah, you definitely wear a lot of hats. There's so much that I'm excited to get into in our conversation. Um, so as you mentioned, you know, you run Health Has No Finish Line, and I love that name, and I love just hearing about the story behind it. So could you tell us a little bit about how you came up with that name and kind of the message that, that influences that? Definitely. So uh, growing up, I was... Uh, pretty overweight. We uh, were a sedentary family, um, didn't really lead an active lifestyle. Um, and uh, we're Indian vegetarian family. So it was, and on top of that, you know, my growing up in the eighties, it was like my parents didn't know. And a lot of uh, say the healthcare professionals, dietitians didn't know how to, uh, tailor nutritional guidelines to a vegetarian diet or even say a non non-white American diet. So, um, you know, all of that together, I was, you know, borderline obese when I was in my late teens, um, and my early twenties. And I lived abroad for uh, med school. I lived in Nepal, um, for the majority of it, a small portion in India. So, <clears throat> when I had gone there, you know, you're naturally moving a lot, far more than we do here. Um, and it's just part of life. It's not a strategic workout. 
Um, and I was not eating as much processed food. It was just clean Indian or Nepali food. So I naturally lost weight that was unhealthy. Um, but, you know, once those five, five and a half years were over and I came back, I fell back into the same habits and gained back the weight. And um, I only really started to take a hard look at my lifestyle and uh, what I was eating and how I was moving after I saw a picture of myself. Um, you know, at that point it was, you know, this was well before smartphones. So um, the, the early 2000s, so it was like the 24 hour photo. I got the pictures back and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't recognize myself. You know, my face looked unhealthy, um, not full, but puffy and, and, you know, just lacking that vibrance. So, you know, over the, the next several years, I just went about reading women's magazines, um, getting VHS and DVD uh, videos to learn how to exercise. And, um, you know, years, I would say about 10 years later, I happened to win a package to a health and fitness trainer. And it was great. I learned how to use weights in a way that I never thought I could or had the ability to. But then I started to see these messages of, okay, you're going to get married. Cause I, I then, you know, I got married a year, sorry, two years later, I'm doing my math wrong. Um, you, so you start to get these messages, you know, when you're getting ready to get married of like, okay, well, you got to get into bridal shape or, you know, around the summer it's uh, okay. You got to get bikini ready. And I always thought, why do you have to restrict or why should you restrict healthy living to three months and go all in, go hardcore, restrict yourself. And then after you go on that, you know, vacation or you do that photo shoot, you just revert back to an unhealthy lifestyle. And I, cause I saw many women that were saying the same uh, gym or even just coworkers doing that. So that's where that name came from health has no finish line, because I thought, you know, this is a lifelong thing and not just restricted to one phase or one season of our life. Yeah. I love so much of what you said. And one thing I definitely want to touch on was, you know, how you said that there wasn't a nutritionist or a doctor that could really tailor it to a vegetarian lifestyle or to, um, you know, just anyone who eats like a non-American diet. And that's something that's so real because I remember like when I was in middle school and, you know, my friends were trying to teach me like to count calories or to only eat salads, which I did for like a week. And then ever since then, I was like, I'm never dieting. <laughs> like, I hate this. this is but um, yeah, I remember like thinking the only way to eat healthy was to eat like a bland salad and like steamed vegetables or something. And meanwhile, like I grew up on delicious curries and delicious Indian food with so many spices, so much health and like fragrance and just delicious food. And that's what I like love now. And I mean, I eat different cuisines, but I love making Indian food all the time. And I feel so healthy when I do it. And I like that I'm adding so much to it. So I just think that that cultural piece is so important because it's like, you shouldn't have to change your whole diet and only eat like boiled chicken or not be able to be vegetarian or vegan or whatever suits you because of, you know, this need to have a certain kind of health. And there's also just like, I remember growing up as a vegetarian in Texas too, everyone was just like, how do you get your protein? And I hate that question so much, but you easily can through like legumes, dolls, you know, like beans, all kinds of things. So you can, but I would always be like, well, how do you get your B12? How do you get your vitamin D? Like I would ask those questions back. Cause it's like, stop talking to me about protein. That's not the only thing that matters. And it's, it was just the thing that irritated me the absolute most. But I um, also love what you said about how there has to be that goal or like the wet it to shred it or like the what whatever like the bikini line yeah. body thing and I, I agree with that too because it takes that power away and it's kind of like I have to change my body and sacrifice my diet and my habits or whatever so that other people can find me 
you know, attractive or healthy. And I just hate that it doesn't give you back the power. It's not like it's about what I think my body looks and feels its best. It's, you know, about this standard that exists outside of you. And now you're just in this box, like working to make it happen, you know, and I, I hate that. Yeah. And a lot of it, and I remember too, you know, when I got married, it was like, um, the trainer I happened to be working with, I mean, I would never recommend this to anyone. And I didn't do end up doing what he said. I just, just like, Oh, okay. He gave me this printout and he said, okay, two weeks before the wedding, you need to buy this like five pound bag of green apples, not red apples, green apples, which I, I don't like. I mean, they're not sweet. <laughs> and you're going to have three of those a day. And then a week beforehand, you're going to have just egg whites and spinach. And then the two days before your wedding, you're going to be eating a, a, a cup full of spinach in the morning at lunchtime. And at dinner, you can have some salmon. And I was like, uh-uh. I'm like, yes, it causes you to like have temporary water loss and, you know, you stomach looks flatter, but I was like, I'm probably going to faint in the process. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it just processing all these different messages, um, societal ideals. And then now of course, what you see on social media, it's, it's a lot to deal with. Yeah, it really, really is. And I mean, I can't imagine a being told what to eat down to like every little thing, but then having, you know, just repetitive meals, nothing interesting and nothing that tastes good. Like that's what really gets me about that. But I love that you brought up social media because that's a factor that I feel like we didn't really have to, at least not nearly to the same extent as people growing up now have it um, with. So I wanted to ask you, you know, how do you find that comparison has affected your self-worth and comparison has kind of affected like how you've been comfortable in your body? Yeah. You know, when I initially, um, when I, when I started my company, I was almost hesitant to post pictures of myself full length, like in workout gear, because, you know, if you sit a certain way, you're naturally going to have a role. It's normal. You know, that's how our bodies are, no matter how muscular you are. But, you know, I would see all these images of, uh, trainers or nutritionists and their, you know, their workout bra and their leggings and um, they're working out and doing squats. And I'm like, okay, my physique doesn't look like that. I'm healthy, but you know, I might look like I have a, I guess you would call it a punch or whatever, depending on how you're sitting. And so I used to be so afraid of that or like, oh, wow, I don't look like that working out. How could I inspire someone else? Um, and so this was, you know, almost two years ago when I, when I was feeling that way. And now what I love is that I am starting to see a shift in what a lot of, um, uh, I don't want to call them influencers cause they're not all influencers, but, um, nutrition experts, um, trainers that have an Instagram, um, following they're showing, you know, what you look like when you pose and then what you look like when you relax and they're like, look, this is the reality. Or, you know, I got up in the morning, I worked out, but then I ate my lunch and drank water and now my stomach's bloated out. So I start, that's when I start to see that, which is reassuring. I say, okay, you know, I'm going to show myself working out or doing jumping jacks and, you know, my physique is different from someone who's, you know, five foot one and um, has all, always been naturally athletic. But I know that just like I could relate to those women that showed themselves at different phases during the day and after eating and on their period, um, there's going to be a woman that sees me exercising and say, oh, okay, you know, she she's a working woman. She's a mom. Um you know, she's mo motivating me. Yeah, I love that. That's so important too. And I have, I love those kinds of posts, especially, um, you know, they just make me feel so much better. And sometimes, even though we all know that social media isn't completely real, it's still so easy to get wrapped up in just 
your brain perceiving that it's real and then immediately comparing yourself to, you know, what that image is. And it's hard to get kind of, to kind of untangle yourself from all those comparison thoughts for sure. So when it comes to self-worth, was there a certain sign or a couple of signs that you realized that self-worth was tied to like your weight or your body image? So definitely, um, of course, um, and um, you could tell me if this is, this is correct. When you're in it, you don't always realize it, but in ret- like in retrospect, you, you know, when you look, when you do realize your self-worth um, and appreciate it and love yourself, you realize those times when um, it was tied to something superficial or, you know, um, or that it was, uh, it was being manipulated or controlled by someone else. So uh, growing up, you know, I mentioned a little bit about my family. So I have two sisters and, you know, even though we weren't very active, we were pretty sedentary of the three of us, I just tended to be the one that was naturally tended to gain more weight. And my sisters um, remained slim despite, you know, unhealthy lifestyles. So I remember one time an auntie came over and, you know, there's always like that auntie. Right. Um, And so she came over and she's looking at our, you know, our family pictures on the wall. And she says to me in front of my mom, when are you going to lose weight? So you can look pretty like your sisters. And I remember I was just stunned. I think I was probably eight or nine. And then my mom just didn't say anything. And it's, you know, it's very typical, like, okay, we don't want to be rude to them. They're our friends. And so I I think I was just so stunned, like, okay, she said something mean and you're not going to at least tell her that was wrong. So to me at that time, it signaled, well, okay, even my parents link it to, okay, she's overweight um, and tied it to, to my worth or my self-worth. And then, you know, as the years went on, and I was, it was more and more overweight. Um, I had scoliosis, the curvature of the spine, I had a back brace. So, you know, just dealing with all of that, um, you know, uh, not a good sense of self-worth and, and poor confidence. So then when I lived abroad, which was, um, you know, my late teens and early twenties, um, you know, of course, someone who's a narcissist who was then my, my boyfriend, they know how to seek people out with those characteristics or those traits. So um, my weight was something that, you know, even he had compared me to my sister and he never met her. He had just seen a picture and said, okay, well, you know, uh, she could climb up the ladder at work with her looks, but you couldn't. Or yeah, I, I know. I like, I know now me for like a 41 year old me now is like, oh my gosh, why did you, you know, how could you listen to that? But at that time I didn't know any different or any better. Um, and of course that made me feel, you know, horrible hearing that. Um, and then, okay. Oh, you'd be, you, you could be the pretty girl on campus if you lost weight. Um, comparing me to other women. But then when I started to lose a little bit of weight, it was like, oh no, don't wear a a top that's so snug because like other guys are going to look at you. So there was that sense of control. So um, after I, I mean, that relationship ended essentially when I left and came back and I, I, you know, at the same time that I was discovering how to be healthier, I started to realize, okay, when I'm not around him, I'm happy and confident. And, and one of my friends who I'm still friends with to this day, who went to medical school with me, she said, yeah, I always felt like when you were with him, you were kind of in his shadow, but you didn't realize it. And without, when you weren't with him, you had your voice. So, um, yeah, definitely in all of those instances, it was linked 
or coupled with uh, my self-worth was linked with my weight. Wow, that's so much to like have to deal with, especially in those really formative years. And then going from hearing the auntie saying it to then like your partner saying it. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's also kind of crazy how much I just noticed this pattern in so many people's lives, including my own, but it's like these certain triggers or these people will come into your life that just pick at these triggers until you basically stand up and tell them to fuck off, essentially. (laughs) No, I'm not dealing anymore but it's like life will find a way to attract those things to you to make you so frustrated until you just say like I'm not listening to this anymore like it's almost like a rock bottom version of your trigger just being poked at you know because then you realize it's not about my weight it's not about like this external way that I look at myself but it's the fact that this is causing me so much pain and that this is such a big insecurity and so starting to like heal that and becoming more confident and starting to accept yourself and understand your body and what it naturally looks like and what healthy looks like in your body and how that's different for everyone. Like all those things help you realize, okay, like it's not about this. And I love that you said that at first he was like, oh, you know, making all these comments about your weight. But then when you started to lose the weight, then he was still, you know, being controlling in a different way. And I feel like so many of us chase that in similar ways, like even in like career patterns, people will check all the boxes so that everyone else is happy with their career from the outside. And they realize that they're not happy still. And it's kind of like, you can keep going along and like doing things for other people, but you're going to get to a point where that's just not enough anymore. And I feel like that's normally the point where a lot of people start realizing that their self-worth can never be determined by their external circumstances. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. I agree. It's like, it's, once you, t- you know, t- you know, you're able to remove the, the bullshit, it's like, oh, okay. I, I'm, you know, I, I am and can be strong and I don't need anyone else to, to validate me or to tell me that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you realize how much it really is about that person or about their mindset, because no matter what you did to make them happy, it still wasn't mending the relationship or making them happy or solving any problems, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think that's such a major lesson and I'm so glad you obviously grew so much, you know, past that. But, um, so speaking of like that phase and that process of growing out of that, you know, situation, how did you, what were some of like the mindset shifts that you had to make or that you had to realize in uncoupling your self-worth from your body image? So, in the years after I um, had come back for, for good from Nepal and I was, you know, um, out of that relationship, um, I'd mentioned earlier that, you know, at, at a certain point along my discovery of moving my body better and eating better, I had won a package of uh, for training sessions with a fitness trainer. And, and this happened to be that same fitness trainer I mentioned um, with the spinach and everything. So fitness trainer to me was always like, oh, something a celebrity goes to. Like I never pictured like I, the everyday woman would do. And cause you all, especially at that time, it was like, you read magazines, celebrity fitness trainer, so-and-so doing a workout with Jennifer Aniston or whoever. So I went for it. I, of course, I was so just intimidated by all the machines and I thought, okay, I, I would never be able to do this. I had major back surgery for scoliosis. I'm intended to always be overweight or a certain size. And he looked at me like, okay, well, let me, let me have you do some basic movements with the weights and everything. So, um, by the end of four sessions, I mean, I was sore as heck. <laughs> like I had worked out muscles. I had never worked out, but I realized that I had the ability to do it. I just always had limited myself thinking I couldn't. Um, and this was squats holding 15 pound weights, um, doing a sit up, which because of my back um, and because my muscles weren't strengthened was always a challenge. So when I realized how much power I had in doing that, 
um, and how good I felt after that. And I wasn't even thinking about the weight. I, it was kind of like a secondary thing. It felt so good. And then, yes, as a byproduct, with just those four training sessions, um, you know, I had lost a couple of pounds. So I said, okay, if I can do this, if I have the power to do this, move my body, um, have less back pain when I'm sitting in a chair doing a meeting or doing um, notes and charts, I can keep doing this. And yes, it's cool that I'm losing weight that needs to be shed, but um, no one is telling me to do this. Like, cause all, all along my journey, it had been like my parents taking me to the pediatrician who would say, well, you need to lose weight, but I was never given um, the right tools. And then um, family members, and then even sometimes my, my dad would single me out with the, between the three of us. If I had a glass of juice, it was like, okay, you have to go for a walk. Um, and then even, you know, the boyfriend I mentioned, it was like, yeah, you know, we need to start running together because you need to lose weight. But this was something that I was doing for me. No one told me to do it. Um, and so, yeah, that was when I knew that I, I was able to unlink the two. That's so major. And that also connects so much to what I was saying at the start by like, getting your power back right from working out because exactly like you said like if you had done it for you know the pediatrician or for your aunties or for your partner even if you had results that you loved or whatever at the end and you had even if you ended up with the same result at the end it's almost like you're you're doing it for them or the results are not your own something about that motivation like it's not fully there and it doesn't create that full circle but then when you're doing it for you from you like and then you get to claim that every part of that journey was your own, right? You're not giving that away. And I think that's what is such a major game changer for the habit of working out in general, because I realize, like when I'm actually having fun and when I'm, I'm not doing it just for like a good picture on Instagram or for a compliment or something, then I'm like, oh, I'm actually present in my workout and I'm not overthinking it and I'm actually having fun. And that's what keeps me coming back to it. Whereas, you know, when you're just doing it for, a blanket result, then you end up, you know, doing the crash diets or doing like the yo-yoing of, you know, just up and down kinds of habits that doesn't really end up serving you. Right. And it doesn't, yeah, it just doesn't make you feel more powerful at the end of it because you just feel like you're chasing something else. You're not like increasing what you already have. Mm -hmm. And you, you feel kind of, um, sort of beholden to, or, or handcuffed to like, um, like you were mentioning, like the, the, the physical ideal, because, you know, I, and I don't like to call pictures like before and after, because again, it ties into like that, that, oh, you've reached your finish line, like, okay, that's the after and that's it. But, you know, we're all human and our, our weight can fluctuate. And, you know, if we've lost weight, we might gain a little back back if there's been a stressful event or, you know, hormonal changes, medicine, all those things. So, um, you know, a before and now is, is like the best way to put it. Um, because in different phases of your life, you might be going all in and going in for a certain physique. And then, you know, when you get married and, you know, maybe you're traveling and indulging and relaxing, you might gain a little weight and that's expected. <laughs> So, so, you know, it really is a, a before and now, and it's a continual journey for, I think, all of us. I actually love that so much. And I love that it expands, you know, what your idea of your body is and what your goals are now, because like, yeah, I have a hard time thinking of like, this is my body goal and I'm working towards it, you know, but I could imagine like saying like a before and now picture of like, before you were pregnant and now you're pregnant, you may have gained 60 pounds, but this could be like one of the happiest moments of your life. Right. And like have like being able to celebrate those different phases. And yeah, I, I, I actually really love that perspective on it. Um, and so also on that topic, like what role would you say that self-worth plays in health overall, like just for you know, clients that you work with or just, you know, for people? So definitely un 
uncoupling it or unlinking it from your number on the scale is huge. Um, because being healthy, so it's, it's more complex than just the number on the scale or even your calculated body mass, mass index. I mean, it's not a perfect uh, measure and, you know, with different body frames, um, genetics, um, muscular build, you could technically be considered quote unquote overweight, but you may not carry, you know, excess abdominal fat because that's the big concern. So it's kind of knowing the whole picture of what um, a healthier life would be for you um, is good, but shifting the focus away from the physical aspect of it and linking it more to what the overall effects will be. So your mood increases and we all know this, it's like, Oh, I don't want to work out or okay. I I'm, I have the energy, but I really just want to sit on the sofa. And then five minutes in, you're like, oh my gosh, this feels good. And I want to keep doing it, especially when you choose an activity that you love. So, you know, the endorphins, your, your mood, your energy, your digestion, um, your ability to focus on tasks, um, you know, in work, in business, um, to enjoy time with your, your, your partner, spouse, loved one. All of that's really important. And when you look at it from that perspective and you don't link the self-worth with your actual weight, then naturally or, or indirectly, any unhealthy weight will start to shed because you're just naturally adopting and doing those things that are good for you, will help you get to a um, a healthier body fat percentage and reduce, you know, any unhealthy, you know, weight around the midsection. So yeah, I think those are, those are key. I always looked at it as like a byproduct of working out, like going up the stairs and being able to do it faster or, you know, not, not getting out of breath, like going on a hike or even noticing, like I could pick up my nephew easier after, you know, doing like arm workouts and stuff after a couple months. And like, those are in my mind, I was always like, Oh, this is like a cool byproduct of me working out. But I love shifting this perspective to like, no, that is why you work out, right? Like all those things make your life better, even sleeping better at night and not having to worry about insomnia and things like that. It, it really does make life just feel better. And it makes kind of the transitions between all the things that you're doing, even if they're not working out themselves, it makes those transitions easier. I've noticed as well, um, just by having like some sort of workout route, like uh, routine. But I love that that is now the focus and that your work kind of says like, what if we only looked at that instead of you know, any sort of measurements or weight or this or that, because like, yeah, I mean, I know people that can go on a 10 mile run and then not feel good about it by the end of the week because they're up, you know, a pound or two. And that could just be water weight. It could be, you know, like you said, any number of things, it could be the time of day even. And so just seeing that even from the outside, it just makes me sad because I'm like, but I can see from the outside that you should be so proud of yourself. Like, like you're clearly a healthy person. You're clearly doing, you know, great things for your body, but then you're not allowing yourself to like reap that benefit because of what this scale says. And I feel like that is just so frustrating to watch from the outside. Yeah. So what would you say in terms of like a main, like the way that the mainstream approach to health is, what would you kind of want to shift or change about that? If there was one major thing that you could shift? One major thing, and, and I'm starting to see this shift a little bit, which is good, um, is in what the, the focus is on when you're, when, you know, any health and fitness professional is talking about, um, food, fats, calories, um, body movement, um, instead of focusing on what is sort of the ideal, gosh, I'm having like a, almost like a brain fart moment here on the word, um, 
shifting the focus away, and this kind of ties into what I mentioned earlier about um, what you uncoupling the self-worth from your actual weight, um, moving, moving away from focusing on the before and after, um, which I think for some people that is helpful depending on their psychology, um, or, or say knowing that they lost a certain number of inches around the midsection. I think that is really good, but moving the focus away from, um, and I see this a lot. So the before picture will be a woman who's maybe in poor lighting. She's facing forward. She's wearing an unflattering clothing. That's not flattering her shape in in that particular picture shoulders slump forward. She doesn't look happy. And then the after picture is like the side pose that makes you look naturally slimmer. Um, good lighting, full face makeup. They're smiling. They have their hair done hand on the hip. So naturally she's just going to look happier, so to speak. Um, moving away from that will be amazing because that just frustrates me because it makes it it makes it seem like the the same woman in the before, you know, didn't wasn't worthy of um, the best being captured in the best light. Like I I dislike seeing those. Um, thankfully, now you're seeing them just more restricted to say those unregulated supplement ads and things like that, but. Um, it'll be nice to get rid of that poor contrast and comparison so that women, if they see true before and before and nows or before and afters, they're like, okay, this woman looked like she, she lost a few pounds. Um, It looks realistic. She doesn't look like she's um, done anything. That's a crash diet. You know, I think I can also take charge of my health. Yeah, that's so important. And I, I was just laughing as you were describing the pictures because I've seen so many of them. It's like, it's not even like a f- comparison, you know, like there's so many things that are different, but, you know, of course, yeah, you're going to look happier. And then it just promotes that idea that you can only be happy at a certain weight and, you know, all, all of those things that go along with that. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I just like the idea that while you can be proud of those losses or those body changes that you may like, it's okay to be proud of like the hard work that you put into it, especially if you are genuinely feeling better and feeling more proud of like what you've been able to accomplish. But at the same time, yeah, it's not everything. And I think it just takes out so much of like the journey to get there. You know what I mean? And that's, what's more important because that's what builds your character. And that's what builds you as a person in terms of just like, I was able to show up. I was able to be there for myself. I was able to stick through something for a long period of time. Like those are all the things that we should be proud of, you know? And it's, it's kind of like the same thing that I see in business all the time where like 10 K months are always celebrated or, you know, hundred K this and that, but then it's like, but what about all the times where like no one was there and you still showed up and you still believed in yourself? You know what I mean? Like that's really the journey and that's what it takes to like get through that stuff to get to those 10 K months. And it's the same thing. It's like this end result is so glorified, but all the juicy stuff is all that stuff in the middle that no one wants to talk about. Yeah. And just like you mentioned with, um, as in with business in personal life and with health, it's the journey. Isn't just this like straight line and, and you're like, you're at that same physical weight and at that same muscular ability all the time. I mean, we're human, we deal with stress, you know, the past 12 months, um, every, each and every one of us has dealt with more stress in a different way related to the pandemic, related to a lot of the world events, you know, racial injustice. I mean, there's just been so much. And so that along with, we've all had things in our own personal lives. And so Yes, we we do eat comfort food and we eat it, uh, you know, sometimes more when when these things happen. And and so just giving yourself grace to knowing like, okay, yes, I gained a little bit of weight. I'm human. Most people have 
let's see what we can do to, to reconfigure things to get healthier all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, even that process of like enjoying your food, enjoying the little things, enjoying, you know, finding a workout that you actually like, like I realize, like, I just have to give up on like hit or like high intensity workouts. It's not, it's not for me. It's not for my joints. I don't feel good after, but like, I love like a long walk every day, or I love like hikes that just get me outside. And I had to realize, like, I just can't keep forcing myself to do what this mainstream idea of health looks like, because that just doesn't feel good for me. And it ended up just making me feel more stressed out by the end of it. But now I'm like, okay, I decide what health looks like for me, I decide what feels good for my body and taking that power back again, returning to that theme. It's like so important for me to be able to do it on a continual basis, you know, because now I don't look at going on a walk. as like this big workout I have to prepare for. It's just a thing that I like doing. And then I look at how many steps I've done or whatever at the end of the day. And that makes me feel good, you know, and that's as simple as I want it to be. And that's okay. And I've just had to like give myself a lot of permission on those things. Yeah. Same for me. Like, so running on the treadmill and sprints, like the, the current trainer I work with recommended it for hit. And I was like, I, I mean, I would cringe every time, like I, I would have to do it. So I'm like, you know what, there's alternative forms of hit that are more fun for me. I'm going to do those because the, I feel like I'm feel like I'm not going anywhere when I do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just like, you, you've, you've run X number of miles, but you're not going anywhere. Um, the machine is so loud that even if you have your AirPods in, you have to crank up the volume to hear anything. So I just gave up on it. Yeah. And, and I like that we, you know, just can do that or that you were easily like, you know, it's, it's not for me and I'm going to find something that is for me. It's just like about celebrating yourself at the center of it, instead of putting your goals on this pedestal that you have to catch up with, you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you could boil down your why behind, you know, why you created this business, why you're so committed to this work that you're doing, what would be your main reason behind it all? So along my journey, I didn't have like one coach or one guide that was there to sort of show me the way when I was lost. And it, you know, I made my way through it, doing a lot of uncovering and, you know, decoding and mistakes and, you know, trying different things. Um, But having gone through that journey is really what drives me to be so passionate and why I do the work that I do with women. That's so important. Like, I realized the same thing with why I settled on self-worth as well. I was like, I worked through like so many feelings of low self-worth and I didn't have a name for it or know a person that did that or, or have, you know, a a perfect to-do list of how to get through it, you know, but then through like both of our journeys of ups and downs and finding things that worked and didn't work and realizing what we agree with ethically and don't like that has formulated this great way of you creating this business where you have like this holistic plan of, you know, just how to help people, how to guide people, how to change this whole perception of what health looks like and what, what it should mean for us. And I love that because the people who have gone through it understand it the most, right? Because they understand what the client or what the audience is feeling. They've been through it too. And so I think that that just changes so much more of the experience and of the feel of the business than anyone who is just out here, you know, saying the same things and not having experienced what that journey actually looks like in their own shoes, you know? Yeah. Before I I used to, for many years, I used to get frustrated with the fact that like, oh, you know, I wish I, we were an active family and I grew up in sports and I always had athletic ability and I never, you know, I, you know, I used to get mad that, you know, I got made fun of. And then I was like, you know, there's a reason I went through this journey and this pain and um, I can appreciate and be uh, empathetic towards another woman that is, is dealing with it and has gone through it versus say someone that didn't deal with it and, and may not have the same insight. 
Mm -hmm. And especially because a lot of the limiting beliefs that we have don't always make sense, right? Like, I, I mean, I can't think of a good one related to like health off the top of my head, but like a lot of the beliefs just, you know, I can't do this because I'm this kind of person or I'll never make it to this salary or make it to this weight or make it to this, you know, level of beauty or, or whatever those things are. And it, it doesn't consciously make sense. And even to the person, they're like, I think this way, but I may not know why I think this way, you know? So being in those same, you know, shoes and saying like, I had all the same thoughts that you had. And I know how it might not even seem rational, but it's so real to you. And it really does change how you perceive things and respond to things and changes your action as well. So I love that. And speaking of that, you know, how can people work with you or how can they continue to learn from you? Your audience can find me at um, best places IG. So at underscore health has no finish line. Um, I'd love to get to know you if you're out there listening and want to connect um, my IG. I share a lot about, uh, nutrition, just overall wellness, um, looking at eating from an intuitive perspective and um, healthy body movement. And then um, my company, Health Has No Finish Line, um, I've actually got two amazing things coming out over the next two months. Um, so at the end of this month, on March 24th, I'll be hosting a masterclass on embracing your womanhood, just everything related to hormone health and our menstrual cycle and how it relates to nutrition and body movement and workplace productivity. So uh, that'll be March 24th. Um, it'll be live on zoom, but um, it'll be, uh, you know, if you register for it, you can catch the replay if you can't watch it live. And then <clears throat> April 5th, I'm launching an eight week radiate from within group coaching um, program. And so this is a group coaching program for um, professional working women and moms. And we're going to go on a journey through overcoming limiting beliefs and figuring out your day-to-day -day and then dive into nourishment and body movement. That's so. so juicy and fun. And I love the fact that it's like a group coaching so that, you know, people get to form a community and really get to know each other. Yeah. So when you, you know, if you follow along with me on IG, um, you can get, you know, all the details about uh, both of those offerings. Awesome. That is so exciting. And I, um, for anyone who's listening and is interested, I will link all of Abba's information in the show notes so you can find um, her Instagram and find these programs out there. So thank you again so much for joining me. This was such a fun conversation and I just love your perspective on health and body image so, so much. Thank you, Roshni, for having me. It was uh, lovely discussing all of this with you. Hey, everyone. So this is editing Roshni popping in. So after that interview, I had a couple of thoughts at the top of my head about self-worth, identity, and limiting beliefs that were kind of just threads left over from the conversation that I had with Abba. So right in that moment, I just recorded some of these thoughts on my own. And that's what this next little bit that you will hear is. So I just wanted to explain what you're about to hear next, but let's just jump into it. So one more thing I wanted to say about limiting beliefs, I recently wrote about this on my Instagram. So when you have low self-worth, your limiting beliefs will cloud what you think is possible. So just like Abba said, she didn't think that she was the kind of person who could have a trainer, but because of the access to that kind of experience, then changing her mind, she realized, oh, she is this kind of person, right? And that's where self-worth identity and limiting beliefs are so tied together. Because when you have certain limiting beliefs about what is possible for you, aka how high of a salary you can have, what kind of job you can have, what kind of partner you can have, what kind of house you can live in, what kind of body you, you'll have, all of those things we can have limiting beliefs around. And then because you are so set in stone about that belief, you literally start forming your identity around that thing, right? So you can form an identity around being that person that's always single, being the one friend that your friends always go to when they break up with their partners. And you're the one who shows them like how to have a fun single time, right? Or you are this workaholic who you know that you are working way too much or working 
a crazy amount of hours, but at the same time, you feel like you, you have this belief about yourself that you don't do anything fun and you're just the person who loves to work and you just work harder than everyone else. And you tell yourself all these things because you have formed your identity around it, right? But when you are able to say, okay, my self-worth exists even when I'm not a workaholic, even when I'm not producing things for everyone else, my self-worth exists regardless of whether I'm in a relationship with someone else. Now I can expand what my identity is because I've realized that my limiting beliefs do not define how I see myself, right? And so you can say, okay, now I'm not the kind of person who is forever going to be single. Now I'm understanding that I'm not the kind of person who is only a workaholic. Yes, I may be great at my job, but that doesn't mean that my job is my only hobby, passion, and interest, right? And so you can start to slowly shift your identity and create new beliefs that are not limiting and that, you know, can help you access new opportunities, new possibilities that help you continue to expand your self-worth and your self-esteem by showing you the limitless possibilities of new things that you have yet to experience and accomplish, right? Because self-esteem does come from the things that you're able to do, but that also comes from your ability to put yourself in the position to do those things. Then by taking yourself out of your comfort zone and by succeeding in those things that expands your self-esteem because you are like, now I feel comfortable doing more things and more things and more things. Your comfort zone grows. You're still familiar with doing things that scare you. And so your world literally becomes limitless and infinite in terms of the possibilities because you're not limiting yourself right? You are expanding yourself, expanding possibilities, expanding opportunities. So everything completely shifts from that point. If you are interested in working with Abba, I have left all of her links in the show notes down below. And I just want to remind you that if you are interested in deepening your self-worth journey, learning more about where your limiting beliefs stem from, and you're ready to just make a change and start taking empowered action, I have a brand new three-month one-on-one coaching package that I am launching. It's called I'm Not Asking, and it's a way for us to work together one-on-one to figure out what your limiting beliefs are for you to set goals and for us to develop action steps that really help you get closer to your goals, understand more about where you're holding yourself back and let go of that so that you truly can embrace the life of your dreams. So if you are interested in the I'm not asking three month coaching package or you're interested in one of my tarot reading and self-worth coaching packages, head to the links in the show notes to learn more and to sign up. Thanks as always for listening. I love you and happy healing.